Well, good morning. How you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at OneChurch.tv. And if this is your first time today with us, you could not have come at a better time because we are starting a brand new series today entitled Labels. Again, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, anybody know what I have in my hand? A label maker. Now, here's the thing. I asked uh, a friend of mine, he said, hey, do you have a label maker that I'm, I can borrow? And she said, yes. It was our children's pastor. So uh, she gave me this. Now, I, I don't know what this is. This looks like a, like a computer or like a, an algebra calculator. Um, that uh, Yeah. Uh, the label maker that I remember has the dial that you press in and it makes the imprint. Anybody remember those? And you would peel them off. That's kind of the labels that I grew up with because <laughs> I'm old. Um, so, uh, but here's the thing I, we're talking about in this series today. Uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at how we view ourselves, our identity. And, and the labels that other people give us, maybe the labels that we give ourselves. And as we process through this, we're going to discover that for many of us, labels, in a lot of ways, they limit us. They're liable to us, and they constrict us. And the, the, my prayer today, and especially for today, but throughout this entire series, is simply this, that God starts ripping some of the labels off of our lives so that we can be able to see where our true identity is found. So let me kind of start our discussion today by simply asking the question, who has the right to label something? Who has the right to label something? I think three groups of people have a right to label something. The first one is manufacturers. Manufacturers. We all have a, a label on your shirt. Like I have a label on the back of this shirt. I have a label in my, on my pants somewhere. I'm not going to figure that out right now. Um, but see, here's one of the things I've learned is uh, most, most of my labels of my clothes are inside, right? But uh, most people who have like really popular clothes, where are the labels found? On the outside, because everybody wants to know that you're wearing the Gucci, right? Um, my son, Jed, my middle son, anytime something's good, he says, oh, that's Gucci. And I'm like, what does that even mean, right? I don't even know. So anyway, but whether, you know, it's Gucci or Coach or whatever that looks like for you, I remember for me, growing up, uh, Banana Republic was all the rage. And I, I remember saving up for like six years to get a, a Banana Republic shirt, a T-shirt from there. And um, I'll never forget. I'm like, wow, I got this T-shirt now. And then I realized it didn't say Banana Republic anywhere on it, but on the, on the, on the tag on the inside on this white T-shirt. So what did I do? I flipped the shirt inside out, and everybody knew I got me a Banana Republic. And I started a new trend. It was called Geek. Um, let me tell you another one. Another uh, a person who has a right to label something is an owner. If you own something, you have the right to label something. What if I showed up at your house this afternoon, and, uh, and I just started punching in labels, and I labeled your television, or labeled your kitchen counters, I label, and you, I labeled your dog, right? You'll go, what are you doing? Get out of my house. I'm calling the police, right? Because I can't label your stuff, but if you own it, if you're an owner, you have every right to label your stuff. Another person, another group of people that has the right to label something is someone who purchases something, the purchaser. And when you purchase a new car, you can get one of those personalized license plates, right? Uh, I made the joke, my, my, uh, 
my mom, her personalized license plate says blessed grandma. I want to let you know that before, when she didn't have grandkids, it didn't say blessed mom. So I'm a little bitter about that, right? Um, but she's a blessed grandma now, right? I mean, what if I snuck on Jenkins and Wynn or Gary Matthews and I popped the front license plate and I put Chris's Beamer, right? That's the only way I'm ever going to own a, a BMW, by the way, right? But I mean, I would get escorted off the prop parking lot and I would start a new church in jail because that is illegal, Correct. So let me ask another question. Let's get a little bit more serious because I think the answer to this next question has the potential to change your entire life. Your willingness to embrace the correct answer to this next question really will determine the direction and the quality of your life. And here it is. It's who has the right to label you? Who has the right to label you? you. Here's the reality. If we really think about it, all of us, we live with labels. Labels that people have put on us. Labels that we've, we've actually done ourselves. And some of these labels, they're well-deserved, unfortunately. Many of them are negative. Today, I want to share with you some of the labels that I've worn. Uh, the very first one that I, uh, one I actually wore was in third grade and it was this one right here it was not athletic not athletic let me tell you my athletic career began and ended on the same day um i was uh trying out for little league baseball and uh you know and i'm like man i've always i remember going to the the st louis cardinals games and always watching Ozzie Smith and some of these other folks play. I remember when I was in Dallas, Texas, I would go and I would see uh, the Texas Rangers play. But man, third grade, I I mean, I wanted this. So it had been raining the night before. You need to know that all night long. It had been raining the night before all night. And the whole field was just a muddy mess. So they said, okay, let's see how you bat. So I'm like, oh, great. Public humiliation, right? So I put the bat up, you know, and the, the pitcher throws the pitch, and it connects, and it's gone. I'm like, sweet. I, I don't hit a home run, but, I mean, it's, it's over the infield. That was my goal, right? So as I'm running, my, my pants, my shorts didn't kind of fit the right way, and they fell down around my ankles, and my, now I'm running like this in my tidy whities I fall over into the mud everywhere, and now my whities ain't that white anymore. They're more like a chocolate-covered brown. Right, I just let your mind go, and it was just like, ah. Oh. And I'm, I'm the laughingstock, and that was my first and last athletic venture. Okay? So some people ask me, how come you don't play on the One Church softball team? Because I want them to win. Right? I just want them to win. So I wore this. This whole idea is not athletic. And you need to know, my mom, she is crazy athletic. She was, uh, she was a starter when it comes to basketball in high school at Montgomery Central. She went up against Pat Head Summit and won. And this is when Pat Head Summit was, you know, she was a student. Um, my dad, uh, well, my mom is very athletic. So let me tell you another one. And it's simply this one. Uh, this is one I wore. It's the word duck. And um, the reason why people would call me a duck is because 
of the way my feet are. I, I don't know if you can tell, my feet kind of point out this way. And, um, and I just, I, I, when I was young, I was skinny, and I would just kind of waddle everywhere. And everybody's like, everybody called me a duck. And it was just like, it so bothered me. It really did. And I have flat feet, and I probably should have had braces, but didn't get them. And it was just, and it, I was always very self-conscious of that. And because of that, another label I wore um, was this one. Not attractive. Because I just, I, I just, I was so self-conscious about my feet. I was just like, I remember going uh, uh, snow skiing, and they say, you know, how, how you're supposed to stop is you point your skis inward, like pigeon-toed. Well, it was doing all I can just to get my skis straight. And I remember going down the bunny slope going about 90 miles an hour because I couldn't stop and killing a small child. And uh, I think I, I still can't go into the state of Illinois because of that. So, but again... Um, I mean, I, it was just, I was just struggling because I was just so self-conscious about uh, my feet. Another one was this whole idea about not being good at school, not smart. You know, for the longest time, I actually did really good at school. I loved it. I was A and B student until my freshman year of high school. And it was the freshman year of high school that I come face-to-face with Algebra one. By the way, Algebra 1 is a Latin term that means from the devil. Um, just to give you a heads up. Uh, by the way, if you teach algebra here, we want to let you know that God loves you very much. And so do we. Um, uh, but you're teaching some smut. I don't, let me tell you, X plus Y has never, ever helped me. Has it helped anybody? Nay, nay. All right, there you go. So thanks for coming to One Church. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I made my first F in Algebra 1 my freshman year, my first semester. My, I mean, my fall semester, I made a 69. By the way, a D would have been 70. 69 is what I made. And I tried. I just, I just never quite got it. So I thought, you know what, am I going to be a preacher? And I thought, I'm going to be a preacher. There's 66 books of the Bible, and only one is called Numbers. Those are some good odds. So uh, I, I realized, all right? So not smart. And then the other one was this one. It was just failure. Failure, because I got an F. It just, man, that, that bothered me. And by the way, I'm writing down some tame labels and that was just through my high school years, but I can, t- I can show you labels in college when I get my master's degree, labels of not being a good parent, not being a good husband, things that I've, no one has ever really told me I'm not a good parent, I'm not a good husband. Those are things I just kind of put on myself. And it just weighs me down. Now let me ask you a quick question. And this is just up to high school, but do you think the labels that I wore in middle school and high school, do you think they impacted the way I carried myself? Yeah. Do you think these labels impacted how I related with other people? Yes, they did. Because when you see yourself the way my labels taught me to see myself, it impacts your relationships. It impacts your relationship with other people. It impacts your relationship with the opposite sex. It impacts your relationship with your Heavenly Father, with God, with your parents. So where I really want to take us today and throughout this entire series is simply this. What is the negative label that follows your name? Think about that. What negative label follows your name? Is it divorced? Is it adulterer? Is it 
failure, not good with money, bankrupt, not a good friend, lazy, irresponsible, party girl, easy, wild guy, maybe you're a hothead, whatever label. I just want you to think about that for a sec. What label, what negative label follows your name? Let me give you some good news, and it's our big idea today. It's where we're going. God's power is always bigger than your past labels. Did you know that? God's power is always bigger than your past labels. God's truth about you is bigger than any current truth in your life. In fact, if you own a label that even if you truthfully deserve, in many ways it is true about you, I want you to simply understand this, that what's true about you today does not have to be true about you tomorrow. Why? Because God and his grace and his love can empower you to change. I believe that with all of my heart. And my prayer is through the next four weeks that God, through the power of Jesus Christ, is going to break those labels that bind you. And here's how he's going to do it. I'm asking God to give you a new God-centered view of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is what God's Word has to say. It says this. This means that anyone, everybody say anyone. If you're anyone, let me hear you. Thank you. All right. And if you did not shout out, uh, welcome back to One Church, you fell asleep. If this means that anyone who belongs to Jesus Christ has become a what? Let's all say it out loud. A new person. The Say it. Old life is where? Gone. But a new life has what? Begun. If you are in Jesus Christ, and what that means is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, all of the old is done. It's gone. The power of sin that has held you back can be broken in Jesus' name. And all the past has been washed away. The newness of life in Christ is available to you. That which held you hostage does not have to hold you hostage anymore because you can have a new God-centered view of you. So if you're taking notes, let me give you just three thoughts that I believe will set you free from the labels that bind you. And its first one is this, that God will give you a new name. God will give you a what? New name. Our God will give you a new name. Isaiah 62.3 says this, and you will be given a, say it with me, new name, how? By the Lord's own mouth. Many of you, you've been held back by something that you believed about yourself. Others have called you a name. But our Lord will give you a new name. God will replace your old title, your old label, with a new name. He did this too many times in Scripture for us to just, I mean, look at all of them. But let me just give you a couple of things. The first one is Abram and Sarah. Abram and Sarah. This was this older couple found in Genesis, and is, you can read their story in the book of the first book of the Bible, Genesis. But Abram and Sarah, God gave them a promise that they were going to have a son, that out of, from their lineage, they would have a huge family tree. Nations would come from them. The only problem is they were like 80 and 90 years old, and they didn't have any children. They were so old 
that they, uh, they had kind of given up on that area, on that chapter of their life. And God says, no, just so that you will know that my promise will come true, I'm going to change Abram's name to Abraham and Sarah's name to Sarah. And they both, those names mean the father and mother of many nations. In fact, the Jewish nation came from Abraham and Sarah. The Islam nation came from Abraham and Sarah. God gave them a new name. Why? Because God's power is always bigger than your past labels. There's another guy. His name is Jacob. Jacob's name means deceiver, swindler, or trickster. Imagine, I mean, how bad do you have to not like your child to name them deceiver, right? Well, guess what? God gave Jacob a new name. And he named him Israel, which means to have wrestled with God or God will prevail. That's a good name. Another one of my favorites, a guy by the name of Gideon. He was a coward. I mean, he was yellow all the way through. And God showed up and says, hello, Gideon, mighty warrior. God gave him a new name, mighty warrior. And at that point, Gideon was not a mighty warrior at all. You need to know this. Some of you, God is going to give you a new name, and it's going to feel like there's a disconnect. It's going to feel like you don't quite measure up. And you know what? That's okay, because I believe that God will help you grow into your new name. Some of you, you're going to get the new name forgiven. You are forgiven. You may not feel it yet, but here's what you need to know. That if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he will forgive all of your sins. Some of you, God is going to give you a new name, and it's overcomer. For, the, for your whole life, they said, you're never going to do this. You're never going to overcome that addiction. And God is going to give you this new name. And you will eventually grow into that name overcomer. For some of you, you're a mom and you just don't feel like you're quite good enough. I've never, never met a mom who said, I am nailing it. I tell you, ladies, you, got, you, you ladies are just so hard on yourself. And here's what you need to know. That God, I believe, that God wants to give you a new name today. A spiritual mom. Enough mom. And you're going to be that for your children and your husband. But guys... For some of you, it's so easy to lead a group of soldiers out on a battlefield, but you say you can't lead your family spiritually. I believe that God will give you a new name, spiritual leader, and you're going to have to grow into that name. He will help you grow into your new name. Why? Because God's power is bigger than your past labels. The second thing, if you're taking notes, God will not only give you a new name, he's also going to give you a new purpose to back up that new name. With a new name comes a new purpose. And you can see him do this over and over and over again through the scriptures. One of my favorite guys is by the name, a guy by the name of Simon. We looked at his story a couple of weeks ago on Easter. And Simon was labeled unpredictable, undependable, wishy-washy. And Jesus meets Simon and says, Oh, listen, I know you're just a fisherman. But from now on, I'm going to teach you how to not only fish for fish, but to fish for men. And Simon becomes one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, which means he's going to be a world changer. He gives him a new purpose. And then in Matthew chapter 16, one time Jesus asked his disciples, Hey, who do you say that I am? And some people said, Well, you're John the Baptist. You're Elijah. And then Jesus says, But who do you say that I am? 
And quick, before, you, before we get to this verse, let me tell you, some of you, if this is your first time here today, or you don't have a relationship with your Heavenly Father, let me tell you, you're going to have to answer that question today as well. Who do you say that Jesus is? And some of you are going to say, he's a good teacher. And yes, he is. He, he's a good uh, moral person. Yes, he was. But you need to figure out that he is more than that. That he is the Son of God. And Simon... When Jesus asked that question, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? This is what Simon, how he responded. You, um, he says, I, you are the Christ. You are the chosen one, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied in Matthew 16, 17, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, Simon, and by the way, I'm giving you a new name that you are what? Peter. By the way, Peter means rock. And what Jesus is saying is you're no longer not dependable, but you are a rock. And on your statement that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new purpose. Now, quick question. From this point on, was Peter perfect? From this point on, uh, on, was Peter always dependable? The answer is, no, he wasn't. In fact, it was after this that Peter denied Jesus three times. But So he had to grow into that new name. But let me tell you how Peter died. Church history tells us that Peter was crucified 30, 40 years after Jesus died. And he told the people who were in the process of killing him, he says, I am not worthy to die like my Savior Jesus did. They said, fine. And they crucified him upside down on a cross. Now, quick question. Did Peter end his life being dependable, being a rock? Yes, he did. He grew into that name. Why? Because he had a new name and a new purpose. Third, our God will give you a new future. Through the power of Jesus, our God will give you and I a new future. There's so many people I talk with, they're just so pessimistic about their future. My life is never going anywhere, never going to be this, never going to be happy. I'm always going to be single. I'm always going to be alone. I'm always going to be miserable. I'm always going to be in debt. I'm, I'm always going to battle with these headaches, on and on and on. Let, let me tell you. Don't you dare insult God with the faithfulness about your future. Because God is bigger than your future. This is what Jeremiah 29 11 has to say. For I, everybody say it, for I what? Let's say it one more time. For I, say it like you mean it. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Do you know that God has plans for you that he wants you to know? God has a plan for you, specifically you sitting in row 13, section 8, seat 2. Bingo, right? God has a plan for you. He does. Uh, specifically for you. And in order for you to understand and know that plan, you're going to need to know God more. For I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. I'm going to keep on reading. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a what? future, and not only a future, but a hope. He wants to give you a future and a hope. God is going to give you a hope by giving you a new future. Don't let the labels of your past limit God's plan for your future. God can relabel you. Why? Because God's power is bigger 
than your past labels. Let me get, go into a quick word study of that Hebrew word for future, because that Hebrew word for future literally means after, later, behind, and following. It means all of those. What is behind and what is future have the same root word. Hang on with me just for a second. How many of y'all have ever been in a, rowing in a rowboat? Let me hear you. Sweet, because I can't see your hands. All right. So if you've ever rowed in a rowboat, you're sitting in a boat, and you're rowing, and you're going that way, but you can't see where you're going. But you are looking behind you. And that's kind of how this Hebrew word is. It's like rowing a rowboat. Going into your future is like rowing a rowboat. Your back is turned so that you can't see where you're going, but you can see clearly where you have been. Now, we don't need to be obsessed with our past and not getting on with our future, but what God wants you and I to understand simply today is that when I am in Him, when I have a relationship with Jesus, my past isn't just a terrible blight on my future. But it is something that he can take hold of and change and mold. And even though I may have a bad history, he can change it into a God-given future. Out of your greatest weakness, I believe God can raise up the greatest strength. God can take your past and turn it into a wonderful plan for your future. Let me give you an example. For some of you, you have struggled with money all of your life. I mean, if you had a dollar, you're going to spend $1.50 of it right? And you need to know this. You're like, I am never going to get good with money. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to get good with, you're not going to get better with money alone. It's going to take some people coming alongside of you. It's the reason why we do financial peace here and so many other things with small groups. But eventually, if you keep on doing the hard, right things, the long obedience in the same direction, you will get better with money. And guess what? God will use that pain of your past to be able to help other people get good with money. He will. He will. Some of you, I've, I've talked to so many of you, I've heard your stories of how you struggled with forgiveness. You struggle with, some of you, you are unwilling to forgive your best friend because he's done something to you. And let me tell you this, I've been reading and been burdened about this. Ephesians 4, 29 and 32 says this, forgive one another just as in God and Christ has forgiven you. When you choose to not forgive people, what you're saying is that you are better than Jesus Christ. You've got to get over the hurts. You've got to let go of those labels. You have to forgive. I mean, imagine... I mean, our sin, what that did to Jesus Christ, putting him, nailing him on the cross, but you're saying that what, you won't forgive that person because they've hurt you just too much? No. No. God wants to rip off that label of unforgiveness and to soothe you and, and to calm your bitterness. Some of you, you've been labeled an addict for years. I'm telling you, God can get you over that and overcome that. Not alone, but with a group of people. I'm telling you, for some of you, you've, you've been infidel, you've struggled with infidelity and, 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 and adultery and all of this stuff. Know this, that that worst thing in your history of your life, God can use to bring his name good. You can help other people who've made poor decisions. You're, I mean, you're not just damaged, thrown away goods. That's not what labels you. No one has the right to label you except God. No one. 
You are not what anyone else says about you. By the power of Christ, you can get past your past, and God will give you a new future. So let me ask this question. A question. Imagine what you would start doing if you saw yourself the way your Heavenly Father saw you. Imagine what you would start doing if you saw yourself the way your Heavenly Father saw you. What things would you try? What goals would you say, I'm going for it? How, how, how would you parent differently? How would you be a better spouse? Imagine what you would start doing if you saw yourself the way your Heavenly Father saw you. Let me, let's, let's reverse that. Imagine what you would stop doing. Some of you would stop getting on Facebook and playing the comparison game. Man, oh, look how look what she's eating. Look what she, he's not eating. I mean, look how buff he looks. I mean, and you get on there and you compare and your self-esteem goes down, down, down with every swipe right you do. And, and, and you're like, wow, look at the Smiths. They're in Paris, France again. Only Paris I can go to is Paris, Tennessee. Go to the catfish house. All right, y'all passionate about that catfish, all right? See, here's the thing. But we get on Facebook, and, 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 it's, and we compare ourselves, and we get so frustrated. Some of you, if you saw yourself the way God saw you, you would stop purging. You would no longer see yourself as fat or thin or to this or to that. Some of you, if you saw yourself the way God saw you, you would stop cutting I pray you wouldn't look at the labels and all the names that you wear around our necks. So here's what I'm going to challenge you guys to do. The band's going to come up in a minute, and we're going to sing a song, the one we just got finished singing, that he's making all things new. But I'm going to challenge you, what negative label comes after your name? And as you leave the auditorium today, do y'all see that big cross? All right, did everybody see the big cross? Is anybody with me here? All right, thank you. If you saw that cross out there, I want you to stop at that table and I want you to write a label, a negative label that you have worn, and I want you to put on that cross. And this is what God's Word says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God had Christ. I want you to look at the labels here. God had Christ, who was, what was his label? Sinless. You see, Jesus had no sin. He was perfect. God had Christ, Jesus Christ, who was sinless, that was his label, take our sin. That's our label. And some of you, that's how you see yourself. You're, you're in Christ, but you see yourself as a liar, adulterer, fraud, whatever it is. Let me tell you, if you are in Christ, you take your sin and you put it on the cross so that we might receive God's, what does it say? Approval. There's another label. You see, God wants to rip off all of these labels and he wants to say, you're approved. I approve of you. I love you. I accept you just the way you are. Not because you're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. Not because you're, you're, sin, you're sinless. No, no, no. Jesus is sinless. And I rip off Jesus' sinless label and I put on you. And it covers up your faults. Let me see, let's pray today. God, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much today, Lord, that you have given us hope, Lord, that all of us can come and get our labels torn off, Lord, that we can get labels that have defined us, Lord, that we can just get those ripped off, 
And Lord, that's, a, that's what I pray for all of us, God, that all of those would just be torn from our lives. Heavenly Father, Lord, just as we pray here today, God, Lord, I know there's people here that need a fresh start. Lord, there's people here that are struggling with labels, labels that they put on themselves, labels that other people have put on them. And I pray that during this prayer that you would rip those off. As we're still praying all over the room in the overflow or in this service, God, there, there are some of you that says, I struggle with my identity. I struggle with those labels on me. And if you would be so bold to say, yeah, that's me. Just lift up your hand. Let me see him. Thank you. I see you. Anyone else? Did you, you, did you struggle with your identity? Thank you. I see you, man. I see you, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? I'm going to pray for you right now. God, I pray that in Christ, Lord, all things are made new. God, I pray that you would allow us to live in the reality and the fact that we are approved that we are made new because of Jesus Christ. Still praying in both of these rooms. There are some of you who are here today, you're like, Chris, you keep on saying about in Christ and in Christ, and I'm not in Him right now. I don't have that relationship with God right now. And if you're here and you feel like your relationship with God is broken, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand as well. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just say, I'm there. I need a fresh start. Thank you. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. I see you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? If that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer. And not just you, but all of us. We all need to come back to that basic spot where we say, God, I believe in you and I love you and I give you all of my junk so that I can receive all of your goodness. So if that's what you want to do today, I'm going to invite all of us to pray a prayer. And you can repeat after me out loud if you want. You can repeat silently to yourself. But I'm simply going to invite you to say, God, I love you. I know that I can't do it on my own. That on my own, I'm an addict. On my own, I'm a liar. On my own, I'm sinful. On my own, I am lost and desperate. But right now, God, I'm saying I believe in you. Lord, I ask Jesus to cover my life so that I can be in him. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Jesus' name. Amen. Church, can we give it up for everybody who says, that is me. That is me. And I simply want to say this before we start singing. If you want to partner with a church, if you want to be a part of it, some of you, you're here today and you're like, okay, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. You're exactly right. But if you want to be a growing Christian, you have to partner with the church. Let me tell you, a a Christian without a church is like an orphan without a family. And there's just some labels you can't remove yourself. You need other people around you. So I'm inviting you to be a part of our church. You can do that. I'm going to leave, 
And we're going to go to the next steps table. And if you want to help take a step, if you want to get baptized, if you want to say, hey, I prayed that prayer, I'd, like, I'd love to give you a Bible and rejoice with you. But we want to let you know we love you. And you have found your home. You have found your family. We love you. Let's all stand and let's sing.